Welcome back to the Velo Chumps podcast. Tonight we have another special episode. First, I'm going to introduce Chad Locker. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Great. Nobody cares about you or me. What they care yeah. about is we have another special guest. We have a professional bike rider, someone that actually does this for a living. And like us, we have with us tonight, Kaya Schmid. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. <laughs> awesome. It is so cool to have you on the show. Um, could you take a quick few minutes and introduce yourself for any of the guests who might not know who you are already, just so they know who we're talking to and why we're so excited to have you on the show. Yeah, for sure. So I'm Kaya. Um, I started cycling when I was like seven years old. My dad would bring me to little kids races and I wow. compete at those. Um, and yeah, it kind of just took off from there. Uh, I raced nationals, I think for the first time at like 11 years old. So I'm still really young. I was one of those little kids out on course. Um, and I want to say I got like my first national medal at like 11 as well, which is just wow. an exciting thing for, you know, a young little girl mm -hmm. um, in the sport. And then I didn't really like train or anything because I was young. My dad would bribe me by like, we can get Skittles at the end of the ride or ice cream <laughs> or like basically I was just bribed to ride at that point. Um but then when I turned around like 14 years old, I started to correlate like, oh, like if you train, you can like do even better than if I'm mm -hmm. not training or da my dad's, you know, bribing me on a ride. So at that point, I started to kind of put the pieces together. And I remember like that whole winter, I like trained really hard for uh, cycle cross season. And yeah, I, I got I want to say I got like the last net. I got fifth place. I was like fighting for fifth that whole uh, race and I got fifth place it was like junior 13 14 uh national championships in like Hartford Connecticut which is kind of like near where I mm -hmm. live home course um and at that point that's like when I really fell in love with cycling because I had done like three training days a week up until that point um for that whole winter uh going to cyclocross nationals so I once I got that medal that was like when I feel like I always say to this day when I really fell in love with the sport. Um, and yeah, and then since then I started road at around 15 um, and went through the whole Lux program, which was a really good junior development mm -hmm. program at the time. Um, and yeah, th then uh, my last year juniors, I ended up racking up three medals at junior track worlds, um, including a world title. And then I also went to road worlds that year. Um, in Leuven, Belgium, and I got second place to Zoe Backstead at the Junior Road World Championships, and I did, like, my first uh, road race in Europe in Ireland, um, and yeah, I won my first road race in Europe, too, which was a really cool experience, and uh, that kind of opened the doorway into the world tour for me, and I got a contract with Human Powered Health after that, and um, yeah, I was riding for Human Powered Health the last few years, and then now this year, making the switch to uh, Live Jayco, presented by Lula. Wow, that's fantastic. What a cool story. If you haven't caught on, um, Kaya's not very old. You're your third year after juniors now. This is this will be your third year yeah. after juniors. You just turned 21 mm -hmm. like like last month, like like not even a month ago, huh? Yeah, not even a month ago, yeah. 
So, so that's pretty cool. Someone that's that age is uh, her third year in, uh, you know, world level professional racing. And, you know, I think it, it's, I, I just want to point out, I, I know you glossed over that, but Kaya won the junior world championships for the, um, on the track elimination race. And I mean, that means she has a rainbow Jersey. Okay. Just so everybody understands what we're talking about here. It's not just like some, like, you know, like, oh, yeah, so you, you kind of glossed over it. And, you know, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, Rainbow Jersey winner, wearer here on the show. Um, I've never myself rode on the boards. I don't know what that's like, but I can tell you from watching that elimination race looks very difficult. So that's very impressive that you 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 managed to do that. I mean, do you feel like that that's a difficult, you know, whatever? You know, if, if you don't really know much about track, there's like 18 different types of track races but that one seems pretty difficult what do you think yeah no for sure i think that there's a lot of tactics that uh yeah that go into it for sure um and a lot of times like you can just get boxed in and you get unlucky so like mm-hmm. there's a lot of i would say there's a little bit of luck that actually goes into it as well um but yeah i remember the the race before because that was my second race at junior track worlds was Mm-hmm. uh scratch race and i played it yep. super conservative and i got fourth in the scratch race and i was a little bit disappointed because i was like i i i came there and i didn't know what to expect i had never raced at this level before um when all the europeans raced against each other at euros and all this yep. stuff and i'm coming over from america like i've raced against girls in america and that's about it so i really just i had no clue what the level was going to be like um so i was a little bit i was i didn't know so i was I played a conservative and I was a little nervous and yeah, then I still got fourth in the track race or uh, the scratch race. And when I got fourth there, I was like, I think I can, like, I know I can get a podium. Like that really motivated mm-hmm. me for that next day. And the next day was the elimination race. Um, And so that whole race, I just, I rode the front um, and just was nice. like working people <laughs> off. Um, And I rode like, I had somebody below me and then I was like second person up like that. And I just like kept making the pace harder and harder and harder. And I kind of like went out into that race and was like, I'm just going to ride how I want to ride and make people like work to try to come around me. Um, and yeah, like basically wanted everybody to ride my race. Um, and that's kind of what I did. And all of a sudden, like, it was like a blur. All of a sudden I was like in the metal contention. And Mm -hmm. after that, it was like, we're racing for third, like for third, uh, place. And I like, I remember like going really, really hard and like the, the fourth person, our group just like immediately blew, like she was just done. <laughs> and, um, and then after that it was me and two other girls left. And when I was in metal contention, I battled it out with one of them to get to that second place spot. And then that the last girl, that was standing. It was me and one of the girls. She did everything she could to try to get that second spot. And then she kind of was just like, just had nothing left. Um, mm, so, okay. so yeah, that's when I rode away from her and was able to come in solo for the win. So yeah, oh, it, was, awesome. it was definitely a really special moment. And I actually got to share it too. with my team director on human powered health. The past years was also um, running junior oh, nice. worlds with me. So it was like a really special moment for both of us. And I've known her since I was like, when I like first started when I was like 13, 14 years old, um, wow. I met her. So it was really cool to have her there too uh, and share the experience for me. And there's like a photo of me, like 
you can see her at the bottom like holding up the number one <laughs> and then like me on the track also holding it up and it's from afar and you can see both of us and we're both like screaming in the moment so yeah it was it was really a special experience I have like just super fond memories to this day from uh Egypt yeah that's awesome so so I know what a velodrome is. I know what a track bike is. I know that it's a fixie. I know how that looks. And I, I can imagine that most of our listeners probably understand a velodrome. But what are kind of the differences between the scratch race and then you, you won the jersey in the elimination? So the tactics are different or the how the race format goes is different, I would yeah. assume? So I actually, I raced at Junior Track Worlds. I did the scratch. I got fourth in the elimination, which I won. And then I got... Uh, third in the points race and second in the Omnium. Um, and so hmm. the scratch elimination, um, uh, points race and then the tempo race are part of the Omnium as well. And it's like combined scores of all of those. Um, and so the scratch race is basically, they give you like 40 laps or however, 30 laps, however many it is. Uh, and it's, it's essentially like a crit at the end of 40 laps. Who's the first person over the line um that's the winner elimination race uh every other lap they eliminate the person who's last across the line until there's one man standing and so they'll eliminate the last or in your case one one woman standing in your case in my case one woman standing um but yeah they'll eliminate like the last person um until yeah there's one woman standing it's pretty yeah, I guess self-explanatory. And then the <laughs> points race is like every uh, certain amount of laps, like four, eight laps, um, whatever it is, they assign points. And I want to say it's like four riders that gets points. Um, and like the first place gets like, I think it's maybe five, three, two, one. Um, and so they'll have like, let's say, if it's 80 laps, they'll like sprint every 10 laps for those points. Um, and the last lap or the last at the end of the race, it's double points. So like there'll be 10 points on the line for first place, uh, six, uh, four, two. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, it's just uh, you get points every certain number of laps and the person with the most points at the end wins the race. If you lap the field, you get 20 points. And if you get lapped, you lose 20 points. So that's also something to consider in a points race. Uh, and then a tempo race is they will have a certain amount of laps. And let's say it's like 30 laps or 40 laps. They'll have a few laps where, you know, the group gets together, everybody gets into position, and then it's go time. And every lap, there's a point up for grabs um, until the end of the race. So let's say they start after... 10 laps and it's a 40 lap race those next those last 30 laps like there are points up for grabs and only one rider gets them and it's only the first person across the line so it's also a very tactical race and you have to plan your effort very wisely because at the highest level not everybody's getting every single point um that there is so you have to kind of plan an attack and try to get like you know be out in front for five or six laps get some points recover and try again um that's also a pretty tactical race and then all those races combined are part of the omnium uh you get points within the omnium and the most important is the points race because usually tempo scratch um and elimination there's just an amount of points if you win if you Mm. get second if you get third and then at the end the points race 
has points of itself so you can like you can like lose or win the race in the in the points race alone like you can be like eighth place and go to first so that's kind of the most important in the last one in the omnium um the last event in the omnium and it's actually where i lost because i was leading Mm. the um the race at world championships up until the points race and then lost it on the last sprint of the points race and got second oh man yeah so that's a little disappointing but i mean i had such a good track world that i can't I can't, I didn't, I was a little disappointed in the moment, but like looking back, I'm still very proud of like everything that I was able to do there. Yeah. I mean, you should be very few people actually can wear a rainbow Jersey legitimately, not just buy one from the shop, actually wear one they earn. So that's pretty awesome. And Chad, I think one of the takeaways we should have from this is, did you hear how excited Kaya was when she's talking about these track races? Mostly on time we talk about racing on our show, we talk about road racing or gravel or, you know, but see, we should be, we should talk about track more often. This seems very exciting. She seems very pumped up about this. So I think that's a takeaway for us is to get more into track racing. I, I, I don't, I don't think a lot of people probably appreciate just how technical that oh, riding yeah. is. I mean, especially being on a fixed gear bike, being on a banked, you know, in indoor velodrome. Um, what age did you start this? Cause this isn't the kind of bike that someone can just hop on at home. Right. So you must've started, I guess not right away. Were you 14? I mean, I, this is a, these are kind of custom bikes, right? I was like in a local little like track program that was like two hours away from my hometown. Um, and we would race uh, around an old go-karting track with like literally 6% <laughs> banking. Um, so there was basically like no banking on it. Like now if I was to ride and I was to go really fast, like, you'd get shot out to yeah. the outside because there's just not enough banking. Um, but I did that when I was like 11 and 12. Um, and then they shut it down to open it as a go-karting track because there's just, there wasn't much money in it. And uh, like just to keep the the track like running and it was pretty run down. So yeah, then after that, I basically just went to nationals every year. Um and yeah, I've been doing that going into track worlds. I went to nationals and then, yeah, I don't usually train on a track. And then I went to track worlds. So, um, hey. yeah, <laughs> that is impressive. Yeah. yeah I mean, I had the fundamentals, like I got, I learned the fundamentals when I was a kid and then yeah, I guess just showing up at nationals was enough to, yeah, do well at, at least the junior international level. I can't speak on behalf of the elite, not like international level yeah. yet, but, um, yeah, so it worked. My program, I guess, worked for me. Um, and then I would just basically do. I would do a, so much road, so many crits during the summer. So I think that also helped me mm-hmm. from not being on the track really at all. Well, I will tell a quick little story about the first time I ever saw you race. I think it was twenty one. I went to the Intelligentsia Cup, and you were racing for Lux. Mm-hmm. So I got to see you, you know, roadside chat and you know, these crits, I mean, in the, um, us crit scene, like right now, there's a lot of conversation about how aggressive the riding is and how dangerous it can be with crashes and whatnot. Right. And I remember, so the way the intelligentsia cup works is a 10 day race. So it's that you're racing every single day for 10 days and it's, you know, you were racing in the pro field. So it's 90 minutes pretty, or, you know, I don't know if it was like 79, but whatever, it's hard race. And on the last day, Chad, it's downtown Chicago in the the Fulton Market area where they have the Goose Island Brewery there and or the tap room anyway. And Kaya finished her, the the women's race 
And then her and some of her friends or her teammates from Lux, they just jumped in the men's field and they were racing and just they were sticking in the men's Peloton. It was and and all of the big names that you hear of in the American crit scene. They were all there. This was a serious race. And she, you know, Kaya's in there bumping elbows with these guys just riding lap after lap after lap. I was super impressed just by that. So, I mean, obviously, she's not scared. She's a very, very tough rider out there so you know it's i assume some of that translates into the track and things like that as well yeah yeah for sure and i also like i'm definitely a person to like analyze things and watch races mm-hmm. and like pick apart them so it's like visually speaking that goes along with as well so like if um i did like my research before going to junior track worlds and obviously mm-hmm. like i i watch enough races to kind of know what to do and when to do it um and so I think that's also helped uh, me as well. Yeah. Now, I know we did. I did just say we, you know, we do mostly talk about road and we should talk about track and these other things. But I do also want to mention in the road race, the Junior Worlds, you said you came in second. And it's not like you came in second because the Zoe Baxat ran, rode off the front. I mean, you were right there in the sprint. The two of you came to the line. And I mean, it was like I remember watching it. It was like very close it was you know that it was in question all the way to the line so that was also a pretty impressive race and i guess like you said knowing some of those tactics probably helped you in that or knowing when to do what and when which move to follow i mean would you say that based on your study of racing that helped you in that particular race as well yeah for sure i mean i also went into that race you know having an idea of who the favorites were but never actually having raced Mm -hmm. them um just because you like I, the back said, such yeah. a big name, right? Like everybody yeah. kind of knows who they are. So I was like, I knew Zoe was one to watch. Um, and I had a few other girls. Some actually did go to Track Worlds and were then at Road Worlds, so that helped a little bit too. Um, and my teammates when I was at Track Worlds, my Lux teammates were racing in Watersley. Um, it was like a UCI Junior Nations Cup before Road Worlds. Um, and my mm-hmm. teammate actually won one of the stages there so I also had like kind of a good idea based on how she was doing against those girls um so just all those things combined I kind of had a good idea going into the road race so when I saw Zoe attack I like they Great Britain rode a really good race um Mm -hmm. all their girls were very tactical they would send one up the road they would send another um and basically I think uh I think it was Flora Perkins uh went up the road and then that set up Zoe to go up the road and so when I saw Zoe go up the road yeah, I followed it and I don't know if people were tired or they just didn't think to follow it, but nobody else did. And yeah, before we knew it, we had a pretty big gap and um, mm-hmm. behind us, there was only like five or six riders in the group behind us. And cause the whole race was getting torn apart um, just naturally by course selection crashes of a whole bunch of other things. Um, and a bunch, two of the riders or maybe even three of the riders in the group behind us, one of them was my teammate, American, Michaela, and then I think two mm-hmm. of them were Great Britain, and so that also helped because they're not going to chase us down, you know. And so there wasn't yep. many girls in the group behind us that was actually willing to chase. Um, and so yeah, we rode up the road away from the field, and I think we were out there for like two or three laps alone. So yeah, it was a really cool experience, especially in Leuven in Belgium. That was my first like mm-hmm. Euro road experience in Europe, and like especially it was the hundredth anniversary of. Um, of like road worlds and so like the crowd like i've to this day i've never seen anything like it it was insane Mm -hmm. so it was probably i would say like up there with one of the coolest experiences like in my life um 
and yeah, I'm super proud of the race. Obviously, looking back, there's a few things I wish I done. I wish I could have done to play my cards a little bit better and hope like beat Zoe to the line. Um, but I mean, I still can't be upset any day. I always say this: any day on like a world's podium is a good day. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, not like Chad and I are going to be on that uh, podium anytime soon. So I would agree with you on that one. <laughs> so, um, so that's all like super exciting. I mean, w- one of the things we we talk about on the Velo Chomps is we are, you know, we're interested in, you know, we're we're just regular people that we we ride bikes for fun. Obviously, we watch you people like you race and that's you know we 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 enjoy watching racing we love it but one of the things we talk about is getting people on bikes and one of the things we talks about is getting getting women on bikes and you know other than getting bribed for skittles you know what is what is it that that can you impart about what went on when you were younger that got you into riding bikes to the point where now you are having those good days you know, your good day is a, a world championship podium. My good day would be any kind of podium in like a cat four race or something. But like what what happened when you were younger that, you know, got you into riding bikes in such a way that now that, you know, that's your your good your definition of a good day. Um, yeah. So I think that what really made me fall in love with it is correlating like the 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 training and then the racing. Um and like mm-hmm. I always say, there's like no feeling like coming over the finish line and like feeling proud of your race. Like oh, like f yeah, like I did it. Like that was a good race. Um, and that's like one of the best feelings. Um, and so I always race for like that feeling essentially. Okay. Um, yeah. Uh, and then also I am one to like I love like riding my bike. Like I, if my coach let me, I'd be riding six hours every day. Um, <laughs> just outside and like I endurance rides are my favorite and just enjoying the scenery and exploring and going on adventures. And like, I love that. And so, um, when I'm deprived of my bike, I'm like, that's what makes me even more so, especially the past few years, cause I've been deprived of it a lot in the last two years. <laughs> um, like it makes me realize how much I love riding my bike and like, I wouldn't want to be doing anything else. Um, and for a really long time, I actually, uh, was in skiing and cycling and I was at a really high level in skiing too. Um, and I was like, like international level, uh, knocking on the door of international level, um, and like getting invited to like world cup qualifiers and like winning regional events. And so that kind of thing. Um, and so, but ultimately one of the things that really made me love fall in love with cycling is, in skiing I was in a judge sport mogul skiing and cycling it's like Mm. there's no it's like it's who crosses the line first you know there's no there's no judgmental aspect of it which I also really really appreciated in cycling um and just like correlating that training and racing and how much you can improve uh based off what you're doing uh and your training has always been something I really liked. I'm also super analytical. Like I love looking at the numbers. I love all that kind of stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I think just like a whole combination of all those things have really made me love cycling and fall in love with the sport entirely. And then also another big thing is just the community in cycling. Like I have found some of my best friends in cycling. Like it's so mm-hmm. fun to go on group rides with them or to hang out with them. And it's like, we share this, like such a strong passion for this sport. 
Um, so I think the community in cycling has some is something that's been pretty special as well. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, so that's at least one thing that we have in common with you is that we just enjoy riding our bikes. And I believe, Chad, that we probably would ride our bikes for six hours a day, too, if we could get away with that, if we didn't have jobs and families and kids and, <laughs> and that sort of thing. So at least we have one thing in common, but very few other things in common when it comes to bikes, but at least that we have in common, right? Chad, you, you would do that, right? I would absolutely write. Yeah. Well, I mean, if my wife also would let me, that would be another. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, there's other responsibilities that come with that. But, you know, I'm, I like to hear that uh, you kind of give this background story because um, I was actually going to ask this. So you also were a good skier as well. So it does, you know, kind of sound like you, there was some natural athletic ability here, some, some talent, um, because it does seem like there's a lot of people who also, you know, you clearly picked it cycling to be kind of your main sport here but a lot of people do transition over to cycling because maybe they had an injury in the sport that they were they were starting out in initially um so you came to cycling and i guess I, you know you, you said you like riding your bike but i imagine you also must really like part of the aspect of training because i'm thinking that's a lot of hours to spend you know that people don't get to see the results of the race that lead up to it so i would assume in addition to riding your bike there must be a drive for the analytical side of you that that when you're doing intervals or you're doing whatever you're kind of motivated and must be enjoying it somewhat. I mean, I realize it's somewhat sadistic to say that, but <laughs> I mean, true? I mean, yeah, for sure. When I'm doing intervals, like oftentimes I'm thinking about racing and like that kind of like okay. drives me. I'm a very competitive person for sure. So like, like thinking about a race scenario when I'm doing intervals to just like push a little bit harder. I'm like, Oh, if this is the end of the race right here, you go push in the one last minute of this interval or whatever. So that's also kind of drives me in that sense. And then, I also just really like suffering. Um, so <laughs> I think that's also why I like cycling because yeah, you can suffer a lot on the bike. Um, and then yeah, hopefully it pays off in racing. <laughs> yeah. That seems to be a common thing with cyclists. It can get us into trouble too, but, um, you know, there, so there's two things I want to ask you about what you said. So the first one is that you said you're very analytical and you mentioned that you like to pick apart the races and look at the tactics and, you know, Chad just mentioned that you obviously have some, you know, natural athletic ability. You were, you know, like world level in two different sports and at a young age and all of these things. But I think a lot of times that so for people that aren't really into cycling, like obviously Chad and I were into cycling and we're enthusiasts and we we watch races and we enjoy the tactics and we can, I mean, probably not as well as you, but we can see what's going on and all of the team tactics and all of the individual tactics are super interesting to us about cycling. But what I would be interested to hear you tell us is there's probably other women, even your age, that have the same athletic ability as you and the same, you know, drive to just like push more watts through a training or even in a race. Yeah. But I would like to hear you talk a little bit about how your, you know, interest in this analytics and your interest in understanding the tactics and and the numbers and all of that sort of, you know, thinking side of cycling that's not just putting down watts. How does that give you an advantage and how has that helped you be, you know, gain the level of success you have versus maybe someone that just is a machine when it comes to putting out watts through training and through racing? I mean, I think a lot of racing is about tactics, you know, and it is about mm -hmm. when you use the power um, to be efficient. And like, 
like you said, like, I, I do agree that I have, you know, some like natural athletic ability, but I also don't think I'm a phenom. And like, as much as like coming out of juniors, people, you know, articles were like, Oh, phenom Kaya Schmidt, or, (laughs) uh, you know, stepping up into the elite field. And it's like, it's like, I do agree that I have good athletic ability, but I think a lot of it has been like knowing where to be and when to be there. Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah, when I exert my power, um, in, in the race, um, and yeah, just like I said, being, being analytical about it, I think has really helped me a lot. And then also, um, I think having a love for the sport can always allow you to dig a little bit deeper too. But, but how did you go about learning that stuff, all that analytical stuff? Like, what did you, I mean, look, you're, you're, we, we talk about this, you're 21 years old. It's not like you've been watching races for 40 years to figure out how to win and what the tactics are. Like, how did you go about, like, how did your love for the sport allow you to learn that sort of thing in terms of, like you said, you're the type of person that loves the sport and is able to utilize those types of tactical advantages or, or thinking about it or, or strategies versus just being the pure engine. Like, how did you go about doing that? Um, honestly, like, I'm not too, maybe just like, ra- like watching races. Like, I like watching races. Mm-hmm. I like picking apart races. Um, and that's kind of allowed me to become more analytical, like, especially just like looking through training peaks and being like, oh, this is my five second power. And like, this is Mm. what I want to get it to. And like, you know, this is the level that, you know, this person's putting out at this body weight. And it's like, I started to be like, oh, you know, if I could do this and if I could, you know, and then like picking apart my five minute power and I'm like, oh, but you know, there was a downhill in it. And maybe if I was just, you know, it was all straight enough. And so I just start picking apart everything. And then all of a sudden, like I'm deep, you know, in the world of analytics and like analyzing like all of my stuff. Um, and then also, I like I said, I came from skiing, and that's like mm-hmm. a very much so technique sport. Like that was my first sport before cycling, and it's like you are watching yourself, like you are replaying, like to to get your backflip, for example, qualified to snow. It's like I'm doing hundreds of them on into mm-hmm. water, and then I'm doing so many on the mogul course and then I'm getting it qualified each time to get the snow. And every time I'm like watching video playback with my coach at the end of every mogul session, we go inside and we watch all of our playbacks and we get picked apart by our coach to see what we can do better and what we can improve on. And so that like skiing in itself is such an analytic, like you, you have to pick apart everything, your technique, like everything down to the detail is so important. And so I think I, from that, I, kind of translated that to cycling and it's like I also started to pick apart everything um and try to find all the little things that I could be doing different just to get me you know 0.5 percent better Hmm. fantastic so I want to come back to one thing you said earlier this was my second question you said that you really enjoy riding your bike. And then when it's you're deprived of riding your bike, it's something that you know, then you realize you love it so much more or you said something of that nature. And then you mentioned that you were deprived of the bike a lot the last two years. And I mean, maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Like what happened that you were deprived of riding your bike? Yeah, so uh, my first year on human powered health, I ended up getting mono. And so I got in April. Um, and yeah, I was, I was sick until July. I got cleared in July, like right before Tulsa tough. Um, mm-hmm. 
my first yeah, I remember race this. back. It was sad. Yeah, my first <laughs> race back. Like I literally got cleared like the week before. Um, so first race back, Tulsa top, a little bit out of shape, but I'm like, oh, this is perfect. I'll head over to Europe after. Yeah. Um, it'll be a great intro to getting back into racing. Um, and on the second day, which I also had crashed my previous year in the same exact spot at Tulsa Tough, Uh-oh. um, with like one lap to go, this race was, this, this lap was one lap into the race. Um, uh. and I, somebody hit my back wheel and it was just so much pressure. I couldn't hold it up. And like, they fell on my back wheel, like super, super hard. Um, and it sent me into the railing. And my hands went through the railing, like when I went to go put my hands oh. out and the railing came into my face. Um, and so, yeah, like split oh, open man. my lip, knocked out some teeth uh, and then had to deal with that for a while and wasn't back over in Europe until August after that, um, which was still a pretty fast turnaround time. But it was obviously um, a little bit disappointing on my first race back to be off the bike again. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, that's rough. <laughs> um, yeah. And then this past year, I had a really good start to the season. I was super stoked on it. I had a good tour down under, a good UAE tour. Uh was super happy. Like the whole team was, you know, working together really well. Um, and then I had some bad luck in like the first two classic races, crashes. It was just a really hectic classic season this year. The weather was mm-hmm. terrible. Like we got, we got snowed out some races races were canceled from like large amounts of snow like there wasn't a single mm-hmm. classic race this year where i was like oh look at the sun it was always <laughs> rain or snow like it was something or um and so yeah i want to say it was early april and i actually was having a pretty good race i had crashed earlier in the race it was just a super rainy one um but it was a minor crash and then yeah, we're coming into the last like 4k of this race. It was Ronda de Muscron. And I uh, looked back and my teammate was super close to me. We locked handlebars. I went down and I went straight onto my knee. Like my knee was bent 30 miles per Ooh. hour straight onto it. And I've never torn a ligament before, but I went down and I was like, oh, something is not right. Um, And like my team came, like they gave me a new bike and like, like drove off. And so I was like, all right, I'm in the last three K I'm going to finish this thing. Um, and I got back on my bike and like, I could not even pedal. I made it to the finish line. Um, but in cruciating pain. Um, Mm. and I also didn't want another DNF on my, um, uh, after the classic season i was like i'm finishing this race i'm getting that result um mm-hmm. and somehow i still missed the time cut from in the last oh. 3k from crashing out and not get getting my bike in time and not getting to the line in time and so whatever i made it to the end but I, they still listened me as a dnf um and then i had amstel gold coming up which is a really like it's kind of like the set the send-off yep. of like the ardennes classics um and I had it like in a week and a half from that race. And so the next day I was like, I'm pushing through this pain. Like I'm racing Amstel Gold. Um, and I, uh, and also I had like, they had no other riders, my team. So I was like, mm-hmm. I have to like start this. Um, and so I did, but like I, something was still wrong. Like, my, like there was 
just I I the amount of power that was out on this leg was like sometimes it would be like um like 70 percent 30 percent or even Ooh. more and like I was wow. it's usually like just about even one or two percent off yep. and it was like something was clearly wrong and like just like that top motion of like bringing my knee up to like my chest like it was so painful um and so I had rode for those two weeks after in cruciating pain and I got an x-ray and like the doctors are like oh nothing's broken you're fine um and I also wanted to get points for my team for mm-hmm. because we're struggling to get back into the world tour again um and qualify for that status so I went to Pan Am's um that next week hoping that things would improve and they just did not and it was actually the national team that sent me back to Boston and they're like yeah you need to get that checked out um, and the swan year there was like, said she could feel some unstableness. Um, and so, yeah, when I got back to Boston, uh, I, yeah, I got diagnosed with a PCL tear, um, and Ooh. I tore, yeah, 75% of it. So, um, I was then after that, that my doctor pulled me off the bike and was like, you are not touching your bike for like, you need to let that scar over. Cause I opted not to get surgery. Um, mm-hmm. because that would have taken me out for a year. So I just took six weeks off the bike. I really minimal activity, a little bit of walking. I did a lot of PT. That was a really big, important thing. Um, And then, yeah, I also, since I toured in April, I wasn't, I got cleared in uh, July, but I wasn't really racing until August again. So, yeah. So I actually want to ask you about that because, you know, for for the people that aren't really into cycling, you know, they'll be like, oh, these cyclists, they're like out there in spandex, you know, especially guys. They'll be like, these guys, they're out there in spandex. They can't be tough. But, you know, within the actual, especially road racing, cycling culture, there's this whole like tough guy mentality, you know, and do you feel like it was expected of you that it's like, oh, you're hurt, but you just need to ride through it? Is that like because, you know, I guess the question, the reason I'm asking that is because in the old days. I mean, like before you were born, that was certainly the the mentality of cycling is like you just, you know, you just you have to be a hard guy and t- push through everything. But now there's so much more, at least at the very elite levels, you know, there's so much more like science behind everything they're doing. And, you know, this was only last year is what you're saying, right? When, when this happened. Yeah. Do you feel like that that was still the mentality of your team? Was it kind of like, yeah, I mean, whatever, you're hurt, but you're a cyclist. You just got to deal with it. You got to push through it. Or did they just kind of say, were were you kind of like hiding it from them how bad it was? Or like, I'm curious how that went down, like in terms of the the cycling culture and like where it sits at the pro level, at least on the women's side right now. I think in the beginning, like, I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Like, I can push through it. The doctors were like, yeah, you know, your x-ray looks good. So I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm fine. Like, I, this is just, like, pushed the pain. And um, I think, like, after, like, the the few days leading up to Amstel Gold, like, my team saw me, you know, um, a little bit more vulnerable. And I was upset. And, yeah, I, like, cried to my team director. And I was like, something is very wrong. And this team director – he also had like um like been there when I like knocked my teeth out and stuff so he was like yeah like he he knew that I would like try to push through the pain and so he was mm-hmm. like yeah like I think that you start Amstel because I that they needed a sixth rider and so I started Amstel just to roll through neutral 
um, and add another DNF to my <laughs> to my resume. Um, and so, yeah, I just rolled through neutral for them so they could have six riders at the start. But I think they realized that, like, yeah, something was pretty wrong. Um, but at the same time, it was, like, in the back of my head, I knew I was on a contract year, and I had been out for most of the summer um, the previous year. And then I also was now about to be out and I did, you know, for the next summer mm-hmm. as well. And so, you know, being out from April through till August is a really long time to not be in it, um, to not be racking up results and racing for your team. So I think one of the main concerns is just like feeling the pressure of like, Oh, I'm on a contract year and I don't know what's going to happen. Um, and I don't want to be a washed up cyclist next year. And I don't want to, I want to, <laughs> you know, stay at this level and keep competing here. And so, you know, like, obviously there's a lot of different things that can like go through your head at the time. And it's also like, you know, I was, I just turned 21. So I was, you know, 20 dealing with all of this. And I was like, am I literally mm-hmm. going to be, you know, left without anything at 20 years old, you know? And yeah, like, you know, thrown away <laughs> basically. So yeah, that was kind of like one of the main concerns for me when I had my injury and like, something that I, yeah, really had to deal with and that, yeah, just kind of, it can be a mental battle a little bit. I mean, that's super interesting. I mean, clearly it, I mean, at the end it worked out because you're with Jayco. Yeah. So you did end up getting a new contract, but it wasn't with human powered health. So how, how did that go down? I mean, did they just feel like, yeah, you didn't get the results and they, and, and, or did, did you get a better deal from Jayco? I mean, I don't know how much you can share about those sorts of dealings or whatever, but I mean, at the end, that's interesting that it, uh, you know, because obviously that was, you know, rally slash human powered health was the team that, that signed you out of juniors, you know? So I, I assume that they, saw you as a, a, you know, potential for the future for them. And then I guess they made the decision or you helped them make the decision one way or the other to move on that you were going to move on. Yeah. So I, when I signed with human powered health, we had like in the past two years, like there's been a lot of management shifts and a lot of new changes to the team. Mm -hmm. Um, And so the person who originally assigned me um, Jonas, like he was, he kind of put a young team together and like, was like, all right, we're gonna, you know, invest in these young riders and like we're gonna be, mm-hmm. you know, stand behind them. Um and, you know, we're gonna try to uh yeah, just just help aid their development. Um and kind of he wanted to get riders before they also like really made a name for themselves so that like they could kind of make a name mm-hmm. with human powered health. Um and so he was also like, you know, American team. So uh, my agent was like, this is like a great team for you. Like, this is like probably like the perfect option for you. Um, and within that two years, there is, you know, a bunch of different people um, got moved out and new people came in. And so there was a lot of different uh, changes within the structure of our team. Um, and they decided that they actually based off of our second year, um, them, uh, they wanted to essentially stay in world tour status. And to do that, um, they wanted Mm -hmm. to hire suddenly older riders and like more, uh, riders that like already kind of had a reputation in the world tour. Um, and so, yeah, I was one of those people that did not get re-signed last year. Um, and I think there's around over half of our team ended up not getting re-signed. Um, and yeah, a few of us were some other young American riders as well. Um, and so, 
Yeah, I found out kind. Of, I found out in I think August that they weren't going to resign me, so it was a little okay. bit nerve wracking because I still hadn't done any. Like I still wasn't even like racing again, so it was like it was like August first yeah. or maybe like end of July. I found I wasn't getting resigned, so that was kind of like a really stressful period of like August and racing and like trying to deal with that and trying to deal with like the new teams. And then I ended up talking um to yeah two to two new teams. Um, and one of them was Jayco Alula. Uh, and yeah, switching to them, them and the other team, like Jayco really seems like, um, a good fit for me and to like, kind of get me back on my feet. Like I said, I've had a really difficult past two years. Mm -hmm. Um, and I want a team that's like going to like support me all the way, you know, um, and really aid and help me with my development because I am still young. Um, and so yeah, joining, joining Jayco and specifically their Conti team was, I think a really good option for me because, um, I just think it'll, it'll help support my development a little bit more. Um, because I did, I did make the jump to human powered health and, you know, unfortunately that didn't mm-hmm. go to plan. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that, I think that choosing Jayco was between me and my agent. We really thought it was like the best option for me. Um, and it also has like a bunch of like really, really strong upcoming riders between the ages of literally 18. So now, you know, girls coming out of juniors. And then I think our oldest rider is 25 on the continental team. So it's definitely a lot younger, but I think that it'll be, it'll be a little bit less of being thrown into the deep end and more like I'm on my feet in these like smaller 1.1 point pro races. Um, That'll be a little bit better for me before I step back into the world tour. Um, and yeah, hopefully, you know, I can get, move up the ladder with them now. Yeah, we've talked about that with a few of our other guests. We've had um, women riders that talked about that there's not always the best developmental opportunities, particularly for U.S. riders, but in general, because, you know, like you said, first with Human Powered Health, they were looking to bring on younger riders to help them make a name and, and, and help with their development. And now you just mentioned specifically that you're looking for Jayco, the Continental team, to help you with your development. Yeah. I mean, as much as we talk about these superstars, like on the men's side, you know, with people winning the Tour de France at like 22 years old or whatever, as much as we talk about that, there's a lot of riders that need development between the ages of 18 and 24, let's say, before they're really, you know ready to be like mature riders in the world tour level. So do you feel, I mean, the, some of what we've heard from other riders is that it's, it's harder to get that on the women's side. And do you feel that that is, you know, you're going through that right now. Do you feel that's true? And do you feel that that is something that's, it's just more adversity for you to get through? And is there something that cycling could be doing different for, for women riders that are, you know, younger women riders to, to help bridge that, to create, you know, a better opportunity for them to develop into the rider they want to be in the, you know, as they get older. Yeah, for sure. So I think when I was, a lot of changes even in the last two years have been occurring in the women's field. Like it's crazy mm-hmm. how fast like the women's changes are happening, um, which is I think awesome for the sport. Um, but at the time there really weren't many continental options. And so like out of juniors, I basically had a bunch of world tour options on the table and mm-hmm. we went with human powered health. It was, you know, kind of the the option American team. So a little bit like safer in terms of like yeah. moving to Europe with an American team and being 18 and like trying to make that transition can be super hard on like, let's say, you know, a Spanish team or a Dutch team or something like that. And so, uh, 
doing it with an American team, you know, I thought was going to be a bit of an easier transition. Um, and so that's kind of why I went with human powered health out of juniors. And then, you know, two years later now, um, when I, you know, was up for grabs again, it's like not nearly as many teams were interested as they, you know, once we're out of juniors, because like a lot of juniors are like this hot prospect and like all the world tour mm-hmm. teams want to jump on you. Like every world tour team wants a junior that was on the podium at road worlds. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of like, you'll have the endless options if you're one of the top juniors. And then if you're two years older, they're going to still go to those bottom juniors. And like me, I'm like two years out and I don't really have any, um, I didn't have any like great results in the past two years. You know, I got like, you know, a top 10 in a world tour race and, you know, I got like a fifth out of point one, and I had some like, okay results, you know, top tens and point ones, but like, I didn't have anything like spectacular. I didn't win a world tour race. I didn't, you know, top three at any world tour races. And so, um, all of a sudden I'm like, where do I go? And like, luckily one other world tour team was interested and then Jayco was interested. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was fortunate to have those options um, after two years because for a minute I was really worried I wouldn't have any options. <laughs> um, and so I think that looking back, if I had had some like continental team options and like now world tour teams are establishing those continental teams and they're, they're, they're aiding the development more of like those younger riders. And it's like, even even some of the world tour teams are just having like four or five young riders and they're only putting them in like like point ones point twos the smaller level races mm-hmm. when i joined the world tour they didn't really have many of those like continental teams attached to world tour teams so it was like you're joining a world tour team or you're turning down your offers which yeah. why would you do that um right and then especially since human powered health was newly world tour it was like I got thrown into all of the biggest world tour races. I was racing mm-hmm. at 18 years old, like, you know, Strada Bianchi. I was racing, um, <laughs> Wevelgab. Like I got thrown into literally the biggest races in the world at a really, really young age versus now. Like, I think they're putting, um, the younger riders in like the smaller races and they're not like throwing them into the deep end. And I definitely, I got thrown into the deep end a bit. So, um, mm-hmm. I think, it's kind of like weird how it worked out because now I'm going to the continental level. Um, and ideally that would have been nice to do the first two years and then move up to the mm-hmm. world tour. Um, but you know, everybody's pathway is different and you know, that's just how it worked out for me. Um, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, is this, this Jayco Conti team, is this sort of new for them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a new team as of this year and it's just attached to their world tour team. So we can step up to their world tour, um, Mm-hmm. to the race to we can step up and do a race with the world tour team and the world tour team can step down and they'll so they can switch riders in and out um and it also helps with them getting them points and stuff like that as well because now they have more right. riders um in order to, to do that so yeah i think that's a good development if that sort of thing is going on at the on the women's side yeah it, it's a really good development and you see canyon doing it too they have a development team now um UAE has a development team. So there's a lot of uh, uh, world tour teams that are that are doing that, which is really nice. And then there's just some world tour teams that are having like, they're, they're basically getting like six or seven riders that are young and um, mm-hmm. 
they're just racing them at the smaller races. So it's kind of, they don't have a development team, but they essentially have a development section of their world tour team, which I think is really important. And I think just being with other young riders is super important uh, to push each other and, you know, for that development, because it was like, I was 18 and like, you know, there's like 32 year olds and 33 year olds and 34 year olds on the team. And so it is a big, you know what I mean? Like, some of the yeah. some of the riders had kids, you know, that weren't that much younger than me. And so is you know, it's 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 nice to have some riders your age as well, I think. Yeah, I mean that's super exciting because I feel like that'll make the racing better because, you know, part of the reason that we we find this subject interesting is because we're racing fans and we we are super excited, Chad and I in particular, and I'll tell a quick story about Chad. We're super excited about the growth of women's cycling because that just gives us a lot more races to watch. And I personally believe that women's racing is just as exciting as men's racing. It's just, I, you know, I get another race day when you, like now we added Rube Femme. So now I can watch Rube twice a year instead of once a year, which is just amazing, right? Which is like a dream come true. So we love that sort of thing. And, you know, Chad, I just want to point out that when the um we had a fantasy league that for the um tour and then we you know we also had the fantasy league for the um the tour de france film right so it's cool because like oh yeah we're you know we're into this sort of thing and you know chad won the tour de france film fantasy league but he also i believe he placed second like in the overall oh because you know we had our little group fantasy league but we were part of a bigger you know, group. So Chad picked like everyone right on every stage except for one or something like that. So you did <laughs> a great a job. I mean, it wasn't, I can't take all the credit for it, but uh, yeah, anyway. But I mean, you enjoy watching those races, right? I mean, we, we're super excited, yeah. is super stoked that there's a women's tour de France because it's like a whole nother race that's at that level. It's not like you get like a junior race. It's like a whole nother race at that level to watch. And it was just, it's the last two years was so great to watch, you know, an additional, you know, an additional race. So we're super excited that, you know, someone like you has the opportunity because, you know, like you were saying, you didn't want to be washed up and, you know, you're 21 years old and you're out. And I guess maybe there's a possibility that, you know, 10 years ago, that might have ended up being the case. Yeah. And I think it's great that you have this opportunity now, right? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, But yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I think that um, it, I think that these continental teams are aiding, they're helping provide that pathway for athletes. So there aren't as many people quitting after one to two years, you know, in the world tour. Um, And they're they're giving, there's also going to be starting, I think 2025, there's going to be like a minimum salary too, for the continental team or pro continental teams um, Mm -hmm. as well. So that'll help aid the sport and the development and keep people in it, I think as well. Um, So I think that's really important. Um, But yeah, I think, also recently, like I thought, I think this is just like super notable and super cool, but like Sarah Gigante, um, just won mm-hmm. the tour down under. I don't know if you watched that. Yep. Um, oh yeah. But she, well, actually we didn't watch it because they didn't broadcast it. The women's race in the U S this year, which was, is a whole nother problem that we are really upset about the state of broadcasting women's racing. But we, wa- I watched all the highlights of all the stages and I followed it and I knew she won. So sorry to cut you off, but it's, I just wanted to make the point. 
that it's BS that they're not televising these races. So what you have to do is you have to download a VPN. So I downloaded Tunnel Bear um, on my phone. Okay. And then I switched the VPN <laughs> to Canada. For some reason, it wasn't working in America, but I switched it to Canada and then put on Flow Bikes. It worked. Oh, okay. So Flow had it in Canada. All right. Yes. So so that's a workaround if Flow has the rights. But there's a lot of races that Flow doesn't have the rights, yeah. that it's on discovery so, but anyway that's a whole nother long if you story get a vpn you should because that used to work with gcn so i think it should be able yep. to work with discovery too don't call me yeah, if i'm wrong but yeah this is it makes like it a, difficult it whole... still makes it very difficult to watch <laughs> um right it's so so stupid she had a really past couple of years obviously she left movistar yeah, and yep. her contract early joined um ag insurance just has uh mm -hmm. really also known for the development team they have a continental team and the world tour team um and are really good at aiding you know those younger riders development um and so like she said in her interview she was like oh like uh, i didn't know if i was washed up anymore because she also had really good coming out of juniors and then had a really tough mm -hmm. past few years. I mean, I don't even think she raced at almost at all last year, maybe a little like two or three races at the end of the season. Um, and so it was really, really cool to see somebody like her who also struggled the past two years, um, especially after coming out of juniors and, you know, to win such a, a big race like tore down under. Um, and so that was really, really cool to see. Um, and especially seeing her back on her feet because yeah, like, like I said, a lot of, a lot of, younger riders you know struggle the first few years and um if they quit they might never get to see their full potential um and so it's super cool that she stuck with it and then yeah won one you know her first world yeah. race so it was super cool yeah and i mean obviously you're you're sticking with it and and you know you're with jaco sorry i should actually say the whole thing right jaco alula yeah, I don't want to like mess edge. up with your, yeah. I, your sponsor no, no situation, worries. but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll call it Jayco green edge. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, obviously you're sticking it out which is great because like we just talked about, we want to see more good right riders on the women's side, stick with it. So we get better racing in the future. So, you know, that being said, and you, you know, despite that you, as you said, you didn't have all of these great results, even though, I feel like it's kind of BS because cycling is a team sport. And I remember watching, and if you have to forgive me, I don't remember who from human power health won, but it was one of the stages of tour down under. And I remember you were really active in the front of that stage and your teammate won. So you obviously contributed to the win, even if you maybe didn't get the result yourself. Yeah. And hopefully that, you know, the, the teams are smart enough to understand that when you do that sort of thing that you, uh, they can see the value in that, even if it doesn't show up on the result sheet itself. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, um, as it's kind of a general rule coming out of juniors, like yeah. you work, you're a worker, like especially your first yeah, years yeah. in the world tour. Like that's what, that's your job. Like that's also how you get better. That's how you get stronger. That's how you learn right. to race more. And so it is, but usually teams invest in the longevity of you because of that, mm -hmm. you know, they'll work you hard your first, you know, two, maybe even three or four years, they'll work you hard until you're ready to start getting those results yourself. Um, but yeah, I was unfortunate that my time was cut short and I wasn't given the opportunity to eventually, uh, yeah, get results for myself. Yeah. But what are your, so now that you've, you're, you're past that though, now you're with Jayco and you're, you're looking forward and, you know, I feel like as someone that has had all this adversity in the first two years of your career, it's only going to make you stronger. 
And like I said, you're obviously a tough, tough little rider that you're out there with the with the men at when you were 18 with Lux, you know, just bumping elbows. You're not scared of anything. So obviously you're going to, you know, push through all of these things. So what what are your goals like both for the coming year and then like longer term? Like what do you, Kaya, have your sights set on for where you want to be, you know, when you're the, uh, you know, 36, 37 year old that's uh racing alongside some of these new up-and-comers at that time um, well hopefully like in future years like even this year like i would really like to qualify for elite worlds i just haven't had the opportunity to the past you know mm -hmm. few years um so that would be really cool um and then yeah i want to step back obviously into the world tour when i'm ready to and then hopefully get some results there um but also like like you said like i I don't regret the past two years. I think I actually learned so much. That was so, that's become so valuable. You know, like I really know how a world tour team operates. I know, and essentially like the continental team um, that I'm on because they're attached to a world tour. Like I'm sure they'll mm -hmm. operate very similarly, you know, but you like, I've learned so many valuable things about teamwork and, um, and just how everything is run at that level, you know, races, you know, who is going where, what other teams are doing. I also, you know, now I know every, like literally every female rider in the Peloton's name, because you, you know what I mean? You have mm -hmm. to like, you're, you're like, so I, I do, I do, I am very thankful for what I have learned the past two years and hopefully I can bring it to the continental team and get some results for Jayco now. Um, and then, mm -hmm. yeah, like I said, qualify for Elite Worlds. And then, you know, looking down the road, um, you know, doing well there. Uh, U23 Worlds, we have our own race in 2025 in Rwanda. Yeah. So I'm obviously looking. That's my last year's uh, U23. So um, I'll be looking ahead towards that um, is, you know, a, a big goal of mine. Um, and then, yeah, beyond that, like obviously just qualifying for, you know, the biggest things. And then, you know, I'd love to podium at like a world tour race one day but um honestly just taking baby steps at a time because that's far down the road and i want to um aim for a top 20 and then a top 10 and then you know i want to take some baby steps to get there and then yeah see if it'll work or not well that's understandable but i i think i i could see you uh i could see you getting there myself <laughs> just from having watched you race. So I have one more serious question and I think Chad has some less serious questions. Okay. So, yes. yeah, but you know, when we, you know, we've talked a lot about, we want to see um, more women's racing because the racing is exciting, you know, and we talked about your journey and uh, one of the things we've talked about before in different episodes, whether we've had been with other pros or just on our own is that, you know, it's important to get more women in this riding bikes, whether it's younger women or whether it's just even older women into riding bikes, because if they, if they start, I, I generally feel like if you can get someone out on a bike and maybe you appreciate this since you said you love riding bikes so much, if you can get someone out on a bike to where they're not scared, they're not scared. They're going to get hit by a car. They get enough confidence that they can, they can do it and just enjoy it. And once they enjoy it, they will probably, feel the you know there's like such a joy that comes with riding a bike and then they you know who knows they might become a race fan that might grow the sport right mm -hmm. so when when it, if you were the president of cycling you know the fictional president of cycling and you could do anything you want i'd be interested to know from your perspective and all the things you've been through 
What are some things or one thing maybe even that you would do to that you think you could change in cycling that would result in getting more younger women or girls or even older women just on bikes and into cycling so we could grow the sport and, you know, just grow cycling in general? Yeah, I think they're already starting to um, just with like these high school mountain bike leagues. But I really think it's important Mm -hmm. for like the high schools uh, to, yeah, like be in these high school mountain bike leagues, um, because I think there are like it is like a barrier to entry cycling. It's kind of like if you don't know anything about it, like like it's really hard to get into. It's such a niche sport, you know. Um, And so like having more like accessible races like that and like it'd be super cool if they like, you know, did road league in high school and actually yeah. private school they do i went to uh like a private school in like new hampshire and we had like a road cycling league and so i was like on the road team for high school and like got to train with other riders oh, awesome. and like i was able like i had a few friends at the time who wanted to try out cycling but really didn't know anything about it um and so like got them on my butt on bike i even got one of them on my development team new england development um and she even joined that for a while so I think like having the high school leagues is really important. And then like even more like clinics and stuff, especially for women. Um, if you want to get more women involved, mm-hmm. just like, you know, having, yeah, more women clinics um, and just, you know, teaching them more about the sport and stuff. And I also think it's super cool um, when pros put on like camps for like younger riders, like and like little girls um, who are wanting to join the sport. Um, I remember I went to a few when I was like pretty young. I was like, 13 14 I don't remember I was younger <laughs> and <laughs> I yeah like three years ago <laughs> I would go to the um yeah like the uh it was Ellen Noble for example and I went to her oh, nice. yeah I went to like her camp mm-hmm. when I was like pretty young um and like just like learn more from a pro and like their lifestyle and what they're doing and like uh, that was super cool for a little girl coming into it too and not knowing that much about the highest level, you know? So yeah, yeah that was super cool too. But just between like clinics, uh, high school leagues um, and yeah, like even like more camps for younger girls. Like I think it's something that that's super cool and can get, yeah, more women on bikes. Yeah. So, so in, you know, maybe five, 10 years, if I know any, uh, like any of my friends have young daughters that want to get into cycling, they'll be able to go to the Kaya Schmid camp, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I also, <laughs> another thing to mention, I was just thinking about, <laughs> I was just thinking about this too. Um, but like right now in college, like the, like D1 cycling is only at like a niche amount of schools. Um, yeah. It's not at every school. Um, it's like, pretty small amount like it's like you know cmu uh marion like yep milligan and like a few others and i think if like more colleges were to like add cycling as like a d1 sport and like give them d1 like access to the food um and Mm -hmm. like the gym like for example if like boulder did that like i think and because i go to see boulder and then like a month a bunch of other colleges did that like i think that could also really benefit um and get more people in the sport because they'd get a scholarship to go to school you know so like that would be that would be pretty helpful too um but a lot of times like people find other opportunities in other sports um but that's that's a very interesting point i never thought of it that way but it is a very interesting point Yeah, i think if like there's more colleges that gave that 
option um, to, you know, be at that that level um, and get recruited at that level. I think that would be super important because, yeah, there'd be so many more options and I think more people would would want to do it. Yeah, for sure. So now I asked you the last serious question. So now Chad has the less serious questions. And Chad, you can just explain about how we normally have a factoid, but then, you know, take it from here. Yeah. So we normally have a factoid, which may or may not actually have truth and validity that you can search up on the internet for uh, whether or not we gave you good advice or not. So for, for this, I decided with our special guest tonight, we're going to have the Velo Chumps like flash five question. So these are hard hitting topics that the Velo Chumps ourselves have actually debated <laughs> amongst ourselves on Instagram chat. So these are usually like one word answers, but this will tell us a lot about your personality, where you might fit in our little group here. So question number one. All right. These are quick answers. Coke or Pepsi? Uh, Coke. Yes. All right. Yes. <laughs> now I'm modifying this one on the spot here. So question number two, I'm going to give you four words in alphabetical order. You need to then put them in the order you would prefer them. So here are the words. Gravel, mountain bike, road, and track. Uh, road, track, mountain bike, gravel. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. All right. Question number three. Now. You, you're you're out with a group of your friends. Can you win the charity Fondo ride? No. Okay, good. I'm <laughs> so happy for that. <laughs> All right. Assuming assuming this is sponsor agnostic, you don't have to worry about this for a concern. Shoes and helmet, do they need to match? Um, they need to be like cohesive together. I don't think they need to match, but they it can't be like red and blue. Put it that way. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Fair enough answer. Very good. Okay, and the final one. At the end of a hard ride, what's your favorite cheat food or snack? Um, hmm. Probably fries. Yeah. All right. <laughs> that is awesome. perfect. You you should come on a ride with us sometime because every every single hard ride we've ever done, we go to McDonald's and get buckets of fries. You know, that's <laughs> that is our end of ride meal. So if you're ever in the mood for we will treat you to a giant bucket of fries if you ever want to do a hard ride with okay. us it's really funny because i did, i like last year before tour down under i was training in hawaii um and i did like the volcano i was on maui and so i did the volcano ride mm -hmm. so you ride from like zero to like 11 or ten thousand feet of elevation um yep. on the coast and so it was like a really really long ride and then i was trying to ride back um to where i was staying uh, which just added a whole nother dimension of the ride. And I like hit six and a half hours <laughs> and I was so cracked. And so I called my mom to pick me up and I made her bring me straight to McDonald's so that I could refuel yes. for, like fries and chicken nuggets because I was so cracked. And she was so mad because we had, it was Thanksgiving or not Thanksgiving. It was Christmas dinner that night and we were in Maui for Christmas. And we had our dinner like an hour after I made her bring me to McDonald's. And she's like, you're not going to be hungry. And I was like, I am going to be hungry. Yeah. Like I need this yes. food right now. Um, yep. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It just reminded me of that. <laughs> That's awesome. That is, that is just one of the best stories in my book right there. That, I'm yeah. a huge McDonald's. Yeah, absolutely. So <laughs> thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And thanks for coming on the show. I, what I really like, Kaya, and I didn't know this about you until we talked, is you have such a passion for cycling, and it just comes through in the the way you talk about it. So I'm really hoping that when people listen to this, they can really feel the enjoyment and the passion and the everything that you you know that your heart is in in the cycling, and 
they get get to know that about you because I think that that is you know it's super refreshing that like you said you have some world tour riders that are just in it for whatever but it's super refreshing that you know someone like Chad and I we just love cycling so we just ride ourselves but you're in it as your you know this is like your primary thing in life it's not like us where it's our hobby and you still can maintain that level of joy and excitement and just you know passion and it just comes through in your voice so I really appreciate you bringing that to the table because especially for a podcast that is such a such a cool thing to have you know (laughs) well thank you (laughs) thank you for having me (laughs) yeah and you know with with that said we we are sure we the velo chumps you've heard it on the velo chumps knowing or just having this conversation with Kaya and seeing how passionate she is about it there is no doubt in the velo chumps mind you hear it here from us that there will be world tour podiums multiple down the road. So when that happens, you know, you can say, Oh yeah, I remember the Velochups told us that, you know, Kaya was going to be on the world tour podium winning world tour races in the future. So we're super excited to see that, you know, see your career develop and, and, and see that play out in the next, in, you know, in the coming years. So. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So good luck with, Jayco this year. Do you know when you're um what races you're gonna be doing so listeners can can keep an eye out for you? Um, I start in April. Um so I honestly could not I like don't know the the everything off the top of my head. Um Okay. But starting in April. <laughs> All right, yeah. well that's great. Starting April, yeah. keep an eye out for Kaya on the Jayco Alula Conti squad. She'll be out there. You'll be able to see her. Hopefully, we'll uh, get a chance to, you know, we'll, we'll, what we'll do, we'll keep an eye on it, and then we'll inform our listeners as it gets closer okay. which races you're going to be on the start list. We'll tell them, hey, and then we'll say, this is how you can watch it. Go on VPN into Canada on Flow Bikes and, uh, you know, catch Kaya in the race. So we'll do that. How about that? Awesome. So, right. thanks again for coming on. We're really excited. Spikes, 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 spikes,